Hello, Parkview. This is Thomas Hook, one of your pastors here at Parkview. I want to welcome you to the Parkview Groups podcast. Uh, my goal each week on this podcast is to inform and guide group members and train group leaders at Parkview to make whole disciples in line with our vision to be a whole church forming whole disciples for the glory of Jesus, the good of all people. This episode is for the week of January 23rd through 29th. Uh, it's coming to you on the 23rd. That's Monday. Uh, in preparation for the week of ministry that will sort of culminate on the 29th, which is uh, a Sunday. So it'll refer to the sermon passage for that week. Uh, If you're listening to this and this is your first time, I know for many it will be the first time. We've just uh, shared this with group leaders and so forth. So if you're here and it's the first time you've heard of this or or tuned in, welcome. Um, The the goal with this is for uh, group members to get kind of all the back behind the scenes, juicy info, help, learning, training that group leaders are getting each week so that as we come to sermon discussion time in our community groups, we are all sort of benefiting from uh, just the shared knowledge and wisdom that we get to have. And uh, my, my hope is that yeah, as a community group leader myself, that my community group members will come to our discussions uh so much further down the road, having having had this to listen to early in the week, then the sermon to listen to, and then finally get into the discussion where we can really uh, get into the heart of things and get into the meat of the passage at a deeper level. This week, we're learning from Acts 18, verses 18 through 19, 7. And then um, during the training segment today, uh, which is, that's sort of the, the last part of this podcast that's sort of for group leaders, but also for anyone who wants to listen in and, and hear what we're doing behind the scenes and groups life. Uh, I'm going to basically review what we covered at the community group leaders retreat for those who weren't able to be there or who just want to be refreshed on sort of where we're going in the community groups ministry. So away we go. All right. So my goal each week is to inform, guide, and train. We know that Uh, Community groups make whole disciples by cultivating an environment of relational safety where the spiritual initiative of the group leads to the growth of each member. And here's what's going on around Parkview uh, that is particularly pertinent uh, for that. That was a challenge. Okay. First of all, it's time for us to nominate and uh, appoint new deacons. Uh, Now, a deacon is uh, something you can learn about, particularly in 1 Timothy you can learn about what a deacon is according to the Bible, but it's a good Bible word. It just means servant, a servant, uh, particularly a spiritually mature man or woman who is servant-hearted and wants to serve the church. Uh, it's set aside for people like that. Uh, at Parkview, you know, each church handles this a little bit differently, but at Parkview, deacons do several things. They serve the needy, both at Parkview and in the community. They meet practical needs at Parkview, including with our facilities and a handful of other things. Uh, They lead volunteer teams for Sunday mornings, both at Central and East Campus. So when you see people greeting, making coffee, and um, uh, ushers in the the worship space and stuff like that, they also help keep us safe, things like that. Uh, Basically, deacons enable and empower gospel ministry by by giving us a setting for worship and disciple-making. So... As I read those things and as I, as I mention them and describe them, uh, first of all, community group leaders, who comes to mind? Who is in your group who could be, should be uh, considered to be a deacon? Um, I, I would love to have those names. So email them to me or you can uh, email them to Emily K. 
Kakmarinski, uh, who is helping me with my administrative tasks, Emily K at parkviewchurch.org, or just, you know, reply and text me. I know many of you have my number, leaders. Hopefully all of you have my number. But who should be a deacon? Who, who could be considered in that category? Uh, deacons are always Parkview members, of course. So if uh, becoming a member or being a member already would be very helpful. Um, if you're listening and you are a community group member, and some of those things maybe sort of catch your ear, uh, let your leader know that you're interested in that, and they can put your name forward, and you could could be considered. So we're looking for deacons, people who want to serve. We we need people in this category to help our church thrive spiritually and in every way. So deacons. Secondly, we have a event coming up for for the ladies who are listening. I know I mentioned this last week, but I thought I'd hit it again. The women's retreat is coming up February 10th and 11th, just this last weekend. Well, um, yeah. On Sunday, I had the privilege of listening to uh, the speakers uh, for the women's retreat, sort of giving their um, probably close to the final draft of what they'll be delivering at the women's retreat. And I was really encouraged. And I was really, I don't know, just they know what they're doing. And I think you guys are really going to be encouraged by the time in Colossians. Um, and Andrea's just done a great job getting all of that together. So it's February 10th and 11th. That's a, I believe that's a Friday and a Saturday. Um, someone will check on that for me, but, um, the price goes up next week. So register now and encourage those in your group to join you It'll make it a fun thing to do together. Awesome. Now let's, uh, let's talk about this passage. So we're in Acts, Acts 18 verses 18 through 19, seven. Uh, it'd help if you're sitting down at your desk or something like that, if you have your Bible to take it out, but if not, if you're driving your car or something like that, then uh, you'll be fine. I'll read it to you. Uh, The goal here is to get the big picture of the passage, to navigate any speed bumps that could disrupt our discussion, uh, and to give a couple places to land in application. So let me start here. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Centre, he had cut his hair for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus and he left them there but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. A couple things to notice there. So we have Paul who is leaving from Corinth, if you remember from uh, earlier in chapter uh, 18. And he's setting sail for Syria. On his way, we'll see eventually to Antioch, which is where sort of many things began for him in that uh, Christian community there. Uh, we learn about him taking this vow. He says at Centre he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. Uh, it's not totally clear what kind of vow this was. There are a few categories it could have been under. The most likely seems to be the Nazarite vow. You might remember from uh, the story of Samson, maybe in particular. Um, you can read about that in number six if you want to have some background there and bring that to your group discussion. But uh, for some reason, Paul was under a vow. He was willing to do some of the Jewish things that were still available, even though they weren't binding to him, we know. And so he's traveling with Priscilla and Aquila. You remember in Corinth, he met them made tents with them, worked with them, and uh, their their permanent stop, I guess, was not in Corinth, and so they moved on to Ephesus. Uh, Ephesus is in Asia. You probably remember from the time when uh, Paul and uh, Timothy, I believe it was, were moving through the ancient world and longed to go into Asia, uh, but the Lord himself appeared to them and said, no, you may not go into Asia, which is where Ephesus is, uh, and so they didn't. And here Paul is coming into Ephesus and then immediately leaving. 
even though he's asked, most likely by the Ephesian Jews, it says they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declines. And so Paul is sort of going right through Ephesus and not staying. But on taking leave, he says, I will return to you if God wills. And he sets sail from Ephesus. Ephesus is a major city in the ancient world, um, not just in the, the province of Asia, but in the whole Roman Empire. It's one of the largest cities, uh, around 250,000 people, which was huge for an ancient city. Um, and a city of great influence. We'll see that Paul, and throughout this chapter 18, 19, and 20, uh, this is a huge, significant center of ministry for, for the Apostle Paul. And so Paul is not at all done with Ephesus. And so this what, what follows from here is really interesting because it, it sets up Paul's ministry in Ephesus in a very strange and interesting way. But I'll continue on. Verse 22, when he landed at Caesarea, uh, Caesarea he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. And so Paul moves on, and as we've seen him do before, he basically retraces his steps where he has planted churches and where he has uh, established new believers and, and new churches, and he revisits them and strengthens them and encourages them to continue in the faith. This is a very compressed timeline that, that Luke gives us there in, in verse 23 from uh, Galatia and Phrygia all the way down from Antioch and then back to Ephesus is something of a, it's close to 1,500 miles, uh, which would have taken, we know Paul journeyed probably by foot um, and of course by, by sailing, but we see he takes the, the route by foot. It was a long journey. And so that's a really compressed narrative. And now something interesting happens, which is we have someone besides Paul or Peter as basically the main character of the story. This has really not happened for quite a long time in the book of Acts. It's been Paul goes here, Paul goes there, or earlier in the book, Peter goes here, Peter goes there. And so our ears should be perking up. We should be saying, this is different. This is new. This is not what we are used to. What is going on? So, and by the way, little bonus challenge. Maybe you're reading this and you have a little extra time this week or you just like to continue learning more, which is one of the themes of this passage, by the way. What if you just went ahead and read through Ephesians once or twice this week just to get real familiar with the, the story of the church of Ephesus? It's going to be our focus for the next several weeks in our sermon series, so it'd be good to have that background info. So go for it. Try it. Let me know if you do. Let me know what you learn. Bring that information to your group and uh, it'll be awesome. All right, so continuing on, verse 24. Now, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came Alexandria, I should say, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. Now, I want to stop there. This is a very interesting character, isn't it? Apollos, uh, short for Apollonius, Apollos. Um, he comes to Ephesus from, it's, we don't know where he came from. We know he's from Alexandria. And everything that's said about him is, makes him sound awesome. He's an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures, instructed in the way of the Lord, fervent in spirit, spoken taught accurately the things of Jesus. And then we have that last little detail, though he knew only the baptism of John. And so Apollos is presented to us as a very helpful, gifted, uh, eager teacher uh, that's really helping the way of the Lord. And then we get that strange detail. He only knew of the baptism of John. That is John the Baptist, uh, who came before Jesus, prepared the, the way of Jesus, uh, so that the people of Israel were baptized in a, a baptism of repentance. 
and yet he pointed forward to Jesus. And so uh, Apollos is this interesting character. Um, he's sort of an incomplete disciple. He's this sort of transitional character. He hasn't heard all of, of the significance of who Jesus is. And isn't that true of us all? But let's move on. 26. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. And so, if it isn't clear from there, he sent on to Achaia, which is the region, it's not a city, but a region, um, where Corinth is. And so, we have in 1 Corinthians 3, you might remember this, uh, a semi-famous passage where Paul says, uh, what is Apollos? Who is Paul? Who cares? I may have planted Apollos watered, but it's God who gave the growth. And so it's actually Apollos who establishes, in many ways, the ministry of Ephesus and then goes on to Corinth, and him and Paul basically swap spots, and uh, he becomes the primary pastor and teacher at the church in Corinth until Paul returns um, and sends those letters and all of that. So it's, it's a very interesting <laughs> fact that this man, Apollos, who had a very incomplete understanding of the word of God, is the one who's helping establish these new churches in the ancient world. Uh, I want to point out a couple things. Notice Apollos's humility. Priscilla and Aquila hear him. They take him aside privately, you'll notice, and don't rebuke him in front of all, but um, they want to encourage him and they want to explain to him, it says, the way of God more accurately. And so Apollos must have been a humble man to receive that teaching and to learn uh, from Priscilla and Aquila's initiative. It, it's probably worth pointing out, too, that this is one of those cases where we have a woman teaching a man, uh, which is not all that common for us. And so I just want to point it out. That's that's an appropriate thing that happens there in, in the appropriate context. So that's encouraging. Uh, I also just want to point out the, the ministry of Priscilla and Aquila teaching Apollos uh, was so significant in the ancient world. And we have a uh, some people that, for all we know, their their instruction in the word only comes from the Apostle Paul. And yet, so it's through Paul's instruction of them that they turn around and help Apollos. Now, that really encourages me, and I hope it encourages you to think that it's, it's not as if it's just the people who are incredibly well-learned and... Um, and have this great education and know everything about the Bible and so forth that that can teach others. Um, we see that Apollos, he was eloquent. He was from Alexandria, which was the center of learning. It was probably, you know, kind of the Harvard Ivy League of those days. And yet Priscilla and Aquila were willing to sort of insert themselves into his kind of spiritual space and help him learn the way of Christ more eagerly. I hope that uh, we do the same, whether you're a community group leader or member, that you would not be overawed by the people in your group or the people around you at church and say, well, I have nothing to help them learn. That is not the case. And if well, I hope each of us is humble enough also to be like Apollos, ready uh, to be taken aside and, and shown the way of Christ more accurately. There is always a next step for us with Jesus. There's just so much of him to learn. Let's move on. Now we're in chapter 19. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. Now let's pause there. It's clear as we move on that uh, Luke is using that word a little bit loosely here. Um, we find out that these are apostles of John. And so I think that when it says apostles here, it probably just means students of a rabbi, students of a teacher, and not necessarily disciples of Jesus. So we'll see that in a second. 
And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Spirit came upon them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying, and there were about 12 men in all. And so there's this, this is sort of a strange little encounter where Paul, this isn't in a synagogue, this isn't in the typical manner or fashion, it just says he found some disciples in Ephesus, and it's almost just sort of a random occurrence. And he starts talking with them, and it turns out that they, like Apollos, um, are, are sort of disciples of John the Baptist, um, whose ministry was obviously extensive and impactful, but of course incomplete. Uh, the apostle, or uh, John the Baptist said himself uh, that he was coming in order to prepare the way for the one who was to come after him, and that's what Paul says. Um, and so we have another example here of disciples who have most of the story, most of it right, but they need to take the next step to learn more. In this case, it seems that these these could not even be properly called Christians yet because they, they don't even know about the Spirit. And so they come and they're baptized. And so I, I wonder if we were to sort of put a bow on what we might learn here. Uh, I, it might be a little too on the nose. Forgive me. It's that I think God uses a whole church to form whole disciples. We don't just have the Apostle Paul, the superhero of the New Testament, uh, who's making an impact. We have Priscilla and Aquila, who are simple tent makers, who are sort of wandering around the ancient world looking for a place to live now that they've been spat out of, of their home. We have Apollos, who is sort of a half-baked disciple uh, who needs to grow himself. And then we have Paul with this group, who are also just in need of the next step with Jesus. And it takes each of them, imagine if each one of them had, had failed, in what they what was needed from them and failed to help those around them just take the next step or said, Oh, this is too big of a task for me. Or I don't, I don't have enough learning uh, turn, to turn around. Uh, you know, I'm Priscilla or I'm Aquila. Uh, how, how could I, you know, <laughs> approach the great Apollos and say something to help him learn. And so uh, you don't need to be an apostle to influence those around you to take the next step. In fact, the, the, the mission statement or vision statement, I should say, for community groups is, is, uh, is that community groups make whole disciples by cultivating an environment of relational safety where the spiritual initiative of the group leads to the growth of each member. It doesn't say the spiritual initiative of the leader um, leads to the growth of each member. I can speak as a community group leader and as a pastor and a whatever. All my experience would tell me what makes a great group is not just a great leader. It's great group members who come to the group each week, not just expecting to be fed and to learn, but to help those around them. There's nothing more encouraging to me as a group leader than when I see the people in our group, and I'm so encouraged, by the way, in this with our, with my group, if you're out there listening, to see them texting each other and following up with each other, not just in the weekly gatherings, but outside of that time, not just because me or someone else told them to, um, but because of their own initiative. They are hoping to help those around them learn Christ, even if those people may seem more mature than them. That's really encouraging. And that's the example that we have from Priscilla and Aquila and from Apollos and Paul here. By the same token, none of us is too advanced or gifted to be beyond learning more. Apollos, wouldn't it have been so easy for Apollos to say, Priscilla and Aquila, yo, I am the teacher. (laughs) 
Okay, put your hand down. I'm not coming over for dinner so that you can tell me about something new. I know what's going on. None of us should be too uh, too proud at all to, to think that we don't have something to learn from all of those around us about who Jesus is. So um, let's let's adopt that posture in both directions, both to influence others despite what they may seem to be and to be influenced by others despite what they may seem to be. Lastly, I think we've got to point out this experience of the Spirit that the Ephesian disciples of John have when, they're, when they take the next step with Jesus. Uh, and just a, that's a question maybe I'll just throw out here now that I'm looking at the time, is just what does it mean to walk by the Spirit in your life? It, are you living a spiritual life? Would, would your life be different right now if, if you lost the Spirit, basically, if you didn't have the Spirit with you? Uh, I recommend you tune in to the training podcast, by the way. I'm we're planning something, a little bit of uh, teaching on the Holy Spirit that I hope will be helpful and practical in that realm. So, great passage. Looking forward to you guys getting to, now that you've had this sort of initial dive into the text, that things would start brewing in your heart, in your soul. And when you get to Sunday morning, whether that's tomorrow as you're listening to this or in a few days, whatever, uh, that, that you'll feel ready uh, for the Lord to do even more in your heart and then come to group with with just a, a master's level understanding of this passage, ready to really go deep with each other and do just what this passage commends to us. So uh, now I'm going to go to the training segment. And so if you are a group member and uh, no need to listen on unless you want to sort of get behind the scenes of groups life, um, but group leaders, this, uh, this part's especially for you. Okay, so for this training segment, I'm going to do something a little bit different, which is uh, that I'm going to sh- basically rehash and recap what we learned at the leaders retreat uh, this past Saturday. And so um, if you were there, I think this might still be helpful for you. Maybe not. If, if you don't have the time to listen to it, go ahead and skip it. Um, but uh, yeah, here we go. So I give an overall vision update. Um, we know that we started uh, earlier this year kind of redoing our mission and vision as a church. And I met with you guys and, and really tried to get your take on what, what part you needed most from groups and, and throw out some ideas and see what you guys thought. And so you guys have heard hopefully more times than you re- even needed uh, our new vision as a, as a group's ministry that we make whole disciples by cultivating an environment of relational safety where the spiritual initiative of the group leads to the growth of each member. And uh, the upshot of that, the most significant thing I think is that the core purpose of a community group is the growth of each member. The priority is the discipleship of each member of the group. Uh, So in the past, if I were to sit down with you for a coaching meeting, something like that, you might expect that I would ask you, hey, you know, have you guys had an evangelistic outreach event or have there been unbelievers in your group meetings? Um, I'm not going to ask that anymore. And it's not because we are leaving evangelism behind as a as a purpose of the group, uh, but rather the way that evangelism intersects kind of with our group's purpose is rather than being a primary goal, it's simply going to be the fruit of each member's growth. We know um, we want our group members to grow in evangelism. And if we're serious about them growing in Christ, then we'll be encouraging them to take next steps to share Christ with others, be consistent in prayer, to be burdened in heart for the unbelievers around them, to seek opportunities to share and all those things. Um, so evangelism matters to our group um, because we care about the character of our group members and growing in discipleship with Christ. Um, but that doesn't mean we're going to be, um, I think most of the time, going to be hosting, you know, a bowling night with our group. Although at times that, that might be a helpful thing to do. If that's, uh, that's going to be helpful for your group, you might do that. But it'll be because 
you're helping each group member grow in Christ. <laughs> so the core purpose of the group is the growth of each member. And so the key question that each group leader needs to ask and be answering, you know, along with the group members themselves in conversation with them is what is his or her next step with Christ? And so everything that we do is going to follow from that. That is that is where the rubber meets the road of Parkview as a whole. Is is each member growing in Christ and uh, reaching out to others and and so forth, doing everything that a disciple does, um, being transformed in in heart and in their will and in their affections and so forth. Uh, so, um, let me see here. That's yeah. That's the question. What what does their soul need from the Lord right now? And how can you take part in what the Lord wants to do there? Um, how can they be sanctified and encouraged toward new growth in Christ? Um, so now you might be wondering if, if progress is, is the goal for each member to grow, to progress in the Christian life and in Christian maturity, then how will we know when we're doing well? How do we, what's our scorecard, so to, so to speak, to use a crude metaphor? What does healthy or whole, what's a whole disciple, Right. Um, and so I shared a sort of a sneak preview of the uh, description of a discipled person or sort of what is a whole disciple. We have a whole kind of rubric you might call it. I don't know what best to call it, um, but basically it's a, a document that I will get to you um, that outlines basically a, a to give a very short description. I want to keep it short, but to give a short description, uh, a whole disciple is a forgiven child of God who is um, taking the next step to, and then dot, 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 to learn Christ, for Christ to uh, transform all of our, our mind. Secondly, to love Christ, so to transform our affections. And lastly, to live Christ, to transform our will, our habits, our routines, our what we actually do and how we inhabit the world. And so there there's sort of three categories that follow from each of those, sort of head, heart, hands, understanding of what a whole disciple is affecting every part. And I hope I hope that's practically helpful for you as you make disciples to give you sort of categories to think through and to remember everyone, everyone has a next step to take. No one is, I, I, I know sometimes with group leaders, who I can bug you by insisting, no, no one's just doing fine. No one's okay. Okay, there's... The, <laughs> Some people, I think they're doing okay, and then it really it turns out they were hiding, or they're they're just there's always more for us to learn about Christ. It's just true. Um, all right, so that's our sort of overall vision update. Uh, I wanted to give you guys, and if again, so I I gave that description of a discipled person, the sort of what is a whole disciple document to group leaders on Sunday or on Saturday at the retreat. Uh, if you weren't there, I want to get both that and then a, the group leader guide, which I'll talk about in a second. Uh, I want you to come, and I'll send this in a message, but I want you to come and pick that up at, at the campus that you attend, and I'll make sure that's there. It'll be labeled, so you'll have all the notes and then the group leader guide, too. So we'll pick that up on Sunday um, uh, so you can have that, all, all the stuff that you would have had if you had been there. Great. Uh, secondly, sort of want to talk about how we're building up those core values of groups, both relational safety and spiritual initiative. So firstly, the group leader guide. Okay, so uh, this will probably make more sense if, in your hand, if it's in your hands, but uh, probably not possible for those listening right now. You'll have it soon. Uh, but this is basically a guide that, that walks you through each week of ministry as a community group leader. So it features sort of spots for um, what we've talked about as sort of the growth grid um, we've talked through in the past, which is basically you answering that question, thinking of and praying for each member of your group. What does it look like for them to grow in Christ right now? What's their next step? And, and how can I pray for them and be a practical help to them? Um, 
So there's that section. There's also sort of each week there's room for notes on the sermon. So as you're preparing for discussion or listening to this podcast and so forth, um, what are things I might want to remember, things that touched me and moved me um, that I learned. And then, you know, places for uh, making sure I'm praying um, and, and so forth. And then um, that that's just kind of repeated for each week and each month of ministry. And I, I produce this uh, is the fruit of my own personal need to grow in community group leadership. I am a planner, and that's because I know that I need help to stay focused on the task at hand. And I know that if my short-term memory is sort of the, the limiting factor on my follow-through for my group members' encouragement and my prayer for them, if my short-term memory is what's going to limit that, then we're not going to make much progress. What I needed to do was to sort of take my future self by the hand and lead him. <laughs> and so uh, I've been I've been working on this for months for myself, improving it and making it making it little tweaks so it would make sense. And so I'd love to encourage as many of you as possible to to use this as kind of your guide for leading your group this semester. Um, and so if if this do, isn't the best thing for you, if this isn't going to help you. Um, I totally understand this is not homework for me and I'm not going to check in on it necessarily. I am going to continue to ask you when I meet with you, you know, is each group member growing? And if you don't have a a way to do that effectively, then I might recommend that you do it, might push you toward it. But um, I hope it's helpful for you, even if you only end up using certain parts of it. Um, And so that's a group leader guide. So you'll need to pick this up at your campus on Sunday or the next time you're at church. I'll make sure they are there. Um, then annual rhythms. Okay. We've talked about this before, but I uh, want to cover it again. Uh, so in the past and really up to now, if you become a group leader, I think for most people, they feel like, well, I'm just doing this for life now. It's sort of a perpetual commitment because there's no natural off ramp. There's no clear sort of realm of commitment or period of commitment. By the same token, when you become a group member, often you sort of feel like you're locked into a, your group for life. And there's no clear answer to sort of what do I do if this, it doesn't turn out to be a great fit, you know, for me. Um, It'd be a really awkward, wouldn't it be so awkward if I had to go to a different group, but I still see those people that I was in their group. I have to see them every Sunday and then they know like I wanted to break up with them. Like that's so weird. And so I know that this has prevented people from becoming leaders, the lack of sort of on-ramp, off-ramp. It's prevented people from becoming leaders of groups because they don't want to make an indefinite commitment. Um, And I know it's prevented people from becoming group members because they've been worried about uh, whether they can make that commitment and or navigate that sort of social awkwardness of of the possibility of not the best fit. So what we're going to do is instead of having groups just kind of be a perpetually on and happening is to make a more clear annual rhythm uh, for community groups. That is that we there would be times during the year when our groups are in session meeting with all the normal content, this podcast uh, regular group updates and all that kind of stuff from me and times when our groups are not in session. Um, and I want these to match sort of our community rhythms, natural ministry rhythms. You know, it, it doesn't make sense for, for me to expect groups to be meeting on December 24th, you know, or, or to have the same meeting patterns in the summer as you do in the fall. Um, and so basically this will, there will be times that when we're in session. So for instance, we'd have a fall session that would go from the community group kickoff, which is sort of the middle to end of August, basically when school starts to the beginning of December, fall session. And during that time we're, we're meeting and, and most groups meeting every week and, and so forth. And with all the, all the content that I produce for you, 
group members and group leaders. Um, and then at the beginning of December, we'd sort of shut it down for the Advent season and then pick up just like our community, how our community works when the academic year kicks off again sometime in mid-January or so and continue on until the school year ends sometime in May or June. And that'd be our spring session. Then we'd have a summer session, which is going to be a little bit relaxed and probably not follow the sermon series is my feeling, at least for this year. That would go sometime in June until, you know, a little bit before community group kickoff, maybe in maybe the end of July or so. And so uh, it's going to be really clear to group members that there's something different, that we're in session or we're not in session. We can communicate that to them. Uh, it'll also be important that we, like I said, the on-off ramp part of this um, will make them there be a natural time for us to make a push for people to sign up for groups. Right now, there isn't a, a clear time. There's no time crunch for you to like sign up for a group. But if groups are starting at the beginning of August, we can spend that month saying, hey, uh, we're launching our group. You know, groups are going to be back in session, so sign up. And as for the off-ramp, my plan is that at the end of each session or toward the end, you know, in the last month or so, that I'll send a really simple survey to each group member, which we can do now because of PCO. So to each member, I'll send a simple survey that says basically, hey, next session, do you want to remain with the same group or switch to a different group or take a break? And so I think most people will probably stay with the same group. Uh, but I think just having the option to be able to change and that that's not awkward and that everyone knows that that's fine, uh, I think that will encourage more people to join in the first place, knowing that there is a possibility of, of doing something different after each session that they've made sort of a one session commitment, not a perpetual lifelong <laughs> commitment. Um, okay. Finally, um, you guys know this by now cause you're listening to this, but the community group leaders podcast that existed in the fall as I tweaked it and tried to make it as good as I could. Um, you know, it came from the, the question, how can I train you leaders without asking you to come to another meeting? And, you know, since I'm able to see the learn the listening statistics, I know that you guys have enjoyed it or someone else on the internet has. Uh, but um, several of you, you know, offered feedback personally or through the survey I sent in this um, in November or so. So I've made some tweaks, but the biggest tweak is that I'm, I've opened it up to all group members rather than just group leaders. And so it's basically the same podcast, but instead of um, uh, with the, with the small change that the training session is, is sort of, I'm walling it off, but not really, um, and frankly, I'm hoping it will encourage more people to want to lead groups by listening to this this last training segment. So um, we're also we're going to be uh, start sending um, a group's guide to group members each each week um, that will include a few little discussion questions for them um, to consider. So they're going to have discussion questions that come to them. So I'm hoping that we'll have a bunch of group members coming to group really well-versed in the passage. The The example I gave at the retreat was that I want community group leadership, community groups to feel like a three-course meal. That each week your group members have, they listen to the group podcast, this podcast you're listening to right now, maybe they listen to this on Thursday and it's like an appetizer for them. They're getting some tasty morsels from the passage. They start thinking through it. The Lord starts working on them. Then they get to Sunday. It's the main course, course number two. They hear the word preached and applied, and they start reflecting on those questions on the way home. Maybe they even talk about it with someone after the service. Uh, from the discussion questions, we'll, we'll start displaying in the, after the worship services. And then by the time your group meets to discuss it, you're not, you're not sort of stuck in the basics of the passage, the details of the passage. It's time for dessert. Each member has had three different exposures now to the word. They've, they have questions they've been stewing on. It's, it's not microwaved. 
Um, they're not there hearing it for the first time or even just for the second time. It's a third exposure. And so they're ready to apply deeply and share how the passage is provoking them and what the Lord wants to do with it. And so I'm hoping this will really help us, um, you know, instead of getting people from A to D when they come to group, they'll be coming to group at V and you get to go WXYZ. Let's really take this truth home to our hearts. So please encourage group members to listen to this. And, and I hope this really helps us take some steps forward in just the centrality of the word and um, really accentuating spiritual initiative in the context of our group. So this has become a long episode because <laughs> primarily because of this last um, last segment here. So I hope this has been helpful, especially if you weren't able to come to the retreat to cover some of those things. If you have questions about any of those things, I hope you'll reach out to me. I'll be sending out the sort of January, February sign up to for your coaching meeting with me soon. Uh, so if you have questions, there's actually a spot in the group leader guide for the spring where you can write those questions down and prepare for our meeting, anything you want to talk about. So I know that's a fire hose of information and I hope you, if you have any feedback or thoughts on it, you'll, you'll get them to me. So thank you group leaders. Thank you group members. I I'm praying for you and uh, let me, let me finish that way. Actually, let's pray together. Heavenly father, thank you for acts 18. Thank you for your precious word. I pray that this week we would see group members taking steps forward to grow in disciple-making ministry, spiritual initiative um, with those around them who are of different maturity levels, who are of different places, that our group members would see that they too can make disciples of other group members, of other church members, and that we would see a vibrant ministry of the word just erupting all over the place. I also pray that we would see next steps taken in our understanding of and appreciation of your spirit um, and and his presence in our lives. We pray that for our group members. We pray that our discussion, our time with our groups, with our members this week would be special, that would be blessed by you. You would help us to know how to lead, give us greater affection for our group members, greater love for them, and, and make that apparent to them as well. Help us to be a place where Jesus is celebrated and enjoyed and learned together. Pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Thank you.